3: we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is The Lombardi Live with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on vSend.
5: Okay, it is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Good morning here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher, but more importantly, we're going to head down to the bayou there and say hi to Michael Lombardi down at the Beau Rivage where he's hanging out with our guy, Jick Jack Johnson. Good morning, Michael.
6: Good morning, Patrick. It's good to be in the state of Mississippi with Jick Jack and the crew at the, <laughs> the BetMGM, Beau Rivage. Wonderful place. We miss you, Patrick. We miss you being here. Uh, we got Ken. We got Tom. Everybody's been so helpful getting set up. It's exciting. What a, what a place, I, Patrick. What a place. I, I,
5: I can't I cannot get over if you go to at live right now on Twitter or M Lombardi NFL Jick Jack Johnson. I mean, they've got it's like the king and queen arrived in Biloxi. They've got uh, produced pieces. Jick Jack's the host. This is an incredible setup you've got there.
6: It really is. And, you know, Jonathan Joseph, the former number one pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, played for the Houston Texans for a long time. He's going to be in here today. It's a big day in the South, Patrick. I mean, it's a big day down here now. we got college football starting. You know, I mean, we're going to leave tomorrow, but Sunday with LSU, Florida State, Biloxi's kind of right in the middle of those Baton Rouge and Tallahassee. I don't know if it's in the middle, but it's kind of closer to, I don't know my geography that well, but it's somewhere between Baton Rouge and Tallahassee. So... A lot of Florida State fans here. Spilk's going to be incredible. It's going to be fun. It, it, it's got a great atmosphere, much like Thomas Gable's book there at the in at, at the Borgata.
5: Well, I mentioned, Michael, week one continues today on into Labor Day. Of course, a full slate, a proper college football Saturday. And we've got you covered right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Of course, the headliner today, the Fighting Irish head to the shoe in Columbus. That's a 2-5 matchup with Ohio State hosting Notre Dame. Now, again, this number right now is sitting 16. Remember, we got all the way up to 18. So a little buyback on Notre Dame here. Does that surprise you?
6: Really does. It really does, because there's a lot of question marks, I think, with Notre Dame's team. You know, how good will they be at quarterback with the Buckner kid playing? Is it, you know, I think where is that going to go? I, mean, I love Michael Meyer. I think Michael Meyer is outstanding. Yep. I think Michael Meyer will be a top five pick at tight end. I mean, he's truly a tight end. I mean, this is a kid that's a tight end. It's not, the, it's not the Kyle Pitts, we're going to call you a tight end, but you're really a wide receiver. I mean, this is a really, this, to me, he reminds me of Gronk when I watch him play. And, you know, he can control the end of the line in the run game. He can handle it. But I think Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator of Notre Dame, who's going to run this program, I mean, he's going to run it. I mean, Marcus Freeman's focused on the defense, the head coach. So I think it's the challenges. Where are they going offensively? What are they going to be able to accomplish in this game as Jim Knowles takes over for the Ohio State defense, which I think is gonna be a huge upgrade. And we know Ohio State's gonna be able to run their offense effectively. This is a game to me about pace, right? This is all about pace. I think Marcus Freeman's gonna have to understand I'm a head coach I've got to control this clock. I can't get into a track meet against Ohio State. I'll lose that every single time. I've got to take the clock down. I've got to pace this game to where I limit Ohio State's possessions, I limit their time with the football, and I condense the game and give myself a chance to win in the fourth.
5: We'll have plenty more on Notre Dame-Ohio State. Top five matchup. Marcus Freeman returns to Ohio State. That's quite a debut in earnest. He gets his career going as the head coach of Notre Dame football. Of course, you got 11, Oregon at Georgia. A similar number. We got all the way up to 18 here off the 16 opener. And right now, Oregon-Georgia is sitting 16 and a half. Hold off on your analysis. Also, Utah-Alabama. How about Bama lane 42? Look, before we get to college was up football. 38, pl- though. I, that, know, I know I know Utah State, the but steam. that was something
6: from 38.
5: <laughs> steam, Mike Lombardi. That is big time steam on Alabama. And listen, we know the story, the big three. Bama's a plus 175 to win the championship this year. You've got Ohio State three to one to win a championship this year. And Georgia's four, four and a half to one. And then it's everybody else as far as the field. Bama, one of the biggest preseason favorites to win a championship in the past 20 years. This is a monstrous team he's got down in Tuscaloosa.
6: No doubt. I mean, look, he, last year he said it was a rebuilding year, and he was in the Final Four. I mean, that's a, so much for rebuilding, right? And he loses two receivers, and, you know, he brings the Heisman Trophy winner back. He's got the best defensive player in the country and Will Anderson. Plus, God knows who else he's got on that team that he's recruited, that he's literally signed off on every single one of these recruits. Nick Saban, I mean the head coach. So, yeah, there's a lot of things going good at Alabama right now, and they're good ready for the fight. I think, you know, this is a tune-up. You say, okay, why – you know, would you play the 42 and take Utah State? Look, I think we're dealing with this, a very talented Alabama team that hasn't really played. They're going to play their guys. I can't find a first-half number. Call and I were talking about it yesterday. What is the first-half number? But I think what you're going to see here is even when the backups get in there, when they start to play in the third and fourth quarter against Utah State, who gave up almost eight yards of play to UConn last week, I think you're going to see a very challenging time for Utah State to stop the seconds and the thirds. I think this is total mismatch here
5: got plenty to do. Jick Jack Johnson right there at the Bull Ravage is going to stop by to give his plays. Matt Eumanns is going to stop by to give his plays as well here on the Lombardi line. Let's get to the storylines before we start capping these games. And yesterday the news broke midday. Uh, the college football playoff board unanimously agreed Michael Lombardi college football playoff expansion is coming. Now when it's coming 2026. It looks like we're going to go from four to 12 teams. Now they're potentially trying to get it moved up to 2024. That seems unlikely. But right now it looks like four years from now, and that is when the college football 12-year contract expires with ESPN. We're going to go from four all the way to 12 as far as the playoff expansion.
6: We've got to wait that long, Patrick? Why do we have to wait that long? <laughs>
5: if not now, four years from now, right? Is this a now, Hall right? of Fame
6: vote? You've got to wait five years to get in? I mean, do we have to wait this long for that? I mean, seriously. I mean, it's a good idea. A good idea should happen sooner than later, don't you think? I, would, uh, I mean, I love it. I love, I it. I love so. the fact we get 12. I, I, I love that we get 12 in this, so it'll be fun. It'll be great to see. It'll be great for the game. You know, but by four years from now, what is the landscape of college football going to look like? Are we just going to have basically four conferences? Are we going to have like 60 teams or 65 teams that are really competing for those 12 spots because of the conferences? I think that that remains to be seen. What happens with the Big 12? What happens with the Pac-12? The Pac-12's TV contract's coming up now, which puts them in a better position than some others. Will they merge within the Big 12 or will the Big 12 merge with the Pac-12? I think those are all questions that have to get answered. Where's Oregon going? Where's Washington going? You know, before we can really see this is great news, but I think we've got to figure out what's going to happen in college football over the next 12 months.
5: Of course, Michael Lombardi, playoff expansion has been long discussed since the implementation of the college football playoff. Four to 12, does 12 feel excessive to you? Does that feel a bit much?
6: Well, you know, look, it, the, the, I think any number, watch, when we get there, they'll say it should be 14. You know, of There's course, always two teams that are going to get cheated. I I do, think, I do think 12 is probably the right number because you want to have, you know, you want to be able to eliminate six games against six games. You know, if you go – you know, is it 10? Uh, you know, I mean, we'll find out. I think through the system, we'll see. If those games are mismatches, you know, when, when one plays 12 and two plays 11, I'm assuming that's how they're going to do it. If they become mismatches, then I think we'll, we know we have too many teams involved. But I think the key are going to be the teams 6, 7, and 8. Those are the teams that really are going to benefit from this. And if they can get hot going in this thing, like we saw the Cincinnati Bengals get hot last year, they, you don't have to be the best team all year. You've got to be the best team at the right time.
5: It's funny because when the news broke yesterday, I had the exact same reaction you just had live here on the Lombardi Line. They said the college football playoff is expanding to twelve teams. I said, "Yes, that's going to be so much fun." Wait, twenty twenty six? What what are we talking about yeah. here? We're going to wait four years for this.
6: That's a long time. I mean, that's a long time. That's a that 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 makes it harder. But then you know, the landscape's going to change completely, Patrick. I mean, what will the big what will the Big Ten look like at that point? What will the Southeast Conference look like at that point?
5: Well, I know the Big Ten will have UCLA and USC, and I know the SEC will have Texas and Oklahoma. That's one thing for sure in this 2026, we do right?
6: <laughs> yeah, we do know that. That's for sure. So I think it's – look, it's great. It's something we want. Plus, let's face it, Patrick, I mean, these 12 games, I mean, what do you think the ratings for those 12 games are going to be? Even one playing 12. I mean, it's just – you're just going to you know. – let's put things in perspective. I was talking to a, an athletic director of a major college program and the difference between college football and college basketball. When you lose a college football game, the school loses $4 million. When you lose a college basketball game, it's about 400000 Now, we get all caught up with the, you know, the, the 64 and the tournament and all that stuff, which is wonderful. But football is the moneymaker. It's the driving influence at, at all these schools. And as Vince Lombardi said, you know, if you don't have a football team, you know, your university becomes a medieval study hall. And I think he was right. As we honor him on this the 52nd day of his death, September 3rd, two, uh, 1970, today oh, Lombardi nice. passed away. I did, so, I did, I did yeah, not little know that. Yeah, a nugget for you, Patrick. Slip that in there. Oh, thank yep. you, buddy. It should be honored by the NFL. It never seems to do. Since we've named the trophy after the man, you would think we would honor the day that he passed away in Washington, D.C. But I, I think what we're seeing is, is these are money made. This is how you're going to be able to su- supply the money needed for some of the other programs at the universities.
5: Okay, so we've set the table. Let's have a little fun here. Michael Lombardi and Millie Lombardi are down at the Beau Rivage, our partner of course, Bet MGM, and of course, Chick-Jack Johnson who runs the racing sports book there at the Beau Rivage. We have some beautiful shots as we head to break. I want to go ahead and show those, Stephen, if we can roll those and Michael, if you have a monitor, I want you to take a look at this because the Beau Rivage We're set up here. You know, your man out.
6: Ken's got everything set up. <laughs>
5: the Beau Rivage is pulling out all the stops as you take a look right there, Nesson and Marquee, You can all check it out as far as the viewers look at that gorgeous property down in biloxi oh, mississippi beautiful. where michael's hanging out looking inside over that at building. the Gulf.
6: looking over at the gulf of mexico i mean it's just fabulous and you know yesterday we kind of were sitting out by the pool the pool's wonderful it's hot here it, it, you know it's got got the dj going out there at the pool you can do your i got people dancing in the water it was great patrick i mean it was amazing you would wait, love wait, it we wait,
5: wait, wait. hold on is this breaking news you were dancing last night
6: I was not dancing last night. I said there were people dancing in the water. Mm. You know what was great, though? They played Sweet Caroline at the pool yesterday, you know, and it was like, wow, all of a sudden everybody started dancing. I didn't realize that, you know, the Charlotte Panthers and all these schools use Sweet Caroline as one of their theme songs. I I didn't know that. I, I thought it was just the Red Sox, but I guess it has spread all over the country.
5: If Millie's got video of Michael dancing last night, text it to me and we'll get it dancing. up on the screen. I was, how many our, times
6: do I have to say no? Our, I said, our, our buddy wasn't professional.
5: Dancing. hold on. Our buddy professional handicapper Mike Somich, Bama, 27 and a half on the first half. Remember they had that crazy run in the first half, 22 and five, until mid-late year last year. It's gonna close 28, 28 and a half. We're back.
0: Anyone can win. Relationships matter. And only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSin, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, Expressbet first bet of course the preferred horse racing app here at vsin and Expressbet analyst Jeff Siegel's got some plays today, both from Saratoga. In the seventh, Jeff likes the nine horse. Morass at six to one on the morning line. In the eighth, at Saratoga, Jeff has the nine horse. Fantastist on top at eight to one. You can get $10 free when you sign up today using first bet. V preferred horse racing app, use the code horse 200 for $10 plus you get a hundred percent match on your first deposit up to $200 with wagering at over 300 tracks, AI assisted picks. The first bet app is the easiest way to bet your favorite sport. Again, V slash horses for more information. It's dot slash horses for more information. As we get you back here, a full college football Saturday, week one, plows along. We got started, Michael Lombardi, on Thursday. We're going to finish up on Labor Day on Monday, but just a monster day today. Of course, Michael Lombardi there. This is the Lombardi line. I'm Patrick Maher. This is v and the Sports Betting Network. He's hanging out down in Biloxi with Jick Jack and the crew at the Beau Ravage. We We have to start here, and the number opened in Columbus, 15. We got all the way up to 18. I talked to you at the top of the show. Were you surprised it got hit back down to 16 is where it sits right now? Now, a little surprised, yes, but I mean, this is just monstrous for Marcus Freeman and his debut in earnest for Notre Dame at the horseshoe. Um, let's go ahead and start capping this game, Michael Lombardi. You know what you have as far as just insane talent offensively, Ohio State, and you talked about it to start the broadcast, and we should kind of go from there. The strength of Notre Dame, of course, they returned four starters on that offensive front. The defensive front, has strength as well ball possession. They're going to want to slow it down. They're going to want to control the pace because if they don't limit those Ohio State possessions, they're going to get hurt here.
6: Yeah, no doubt. Last year, when you watched Ohio State play Michigan in Ann Arbor, Ohio State, for some reason, was insistent upon playing at almost a nickel front. They were trying to, you know, football's a game in numbers, right? So you got six in the box and I got seven blocking you. I'm going to win every single time. And and they never really adapted. They never changed what they were doing defensively. And I think that's part of the reason why Ryan Day made the defensive change. And he brought Jim Knowles in from Oklahoma State, who did a wonderful job. And, you know, I'm sure that, that Notre Dame has watched all the Oklahoma State tape they can. But I do know there's talent on Ohio State's defense. And I don't think they're going to give them that light box that they did against Michigan in Ann Arbor. And certainly we saw Utah move the ball against Ohio State last year in the in the Rose Bowl up and down the field. Uh, as the way they did. So this is a huge challenge for Ohio State to show they're better defensively because we know they can score. We know, you know, with the way they were able to move the football last year, they were, you know, with Stroud throwing the ball to Harrison and those freshmen that came in, we're like, wait a minute, they got all these guys going in the draft. These guys are just as good as those guys. So pace to me is all about this. You know, you always hear basketball coaches say, we keep this game in the fifties or the low sixties. We got a chance. If it gets higher than that, we're in trouble. I think this is the same thing for Notre Dame. If they keep this game in the 20s, they got a chance. If it gets a little bit more of a pace into that 30-35 area, I'm not sure Notre Dame offensively can match that.
5: I'm not sure there's a team in football that can manage this Ohio State offense. You mentioned C.J. Stroud. He's your favorite in the Heisman pool. Henderson, Njigba. Think about Njigba, the wide receiver. So remember the Rose Bowl last year. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave didn't play because they went to the NFL. What did Njigba do? 15 catches, 347 yards, and three scores. Is that good? This could be a historic offense with C.J. Stroud leading under center.
6: No doubt. And we we lose sight of. The most important aspect of what ohio state has offensively and that's their offensive front i mean look you know they're going to have a junior left tackle probably going to be a pro prospect a red shirt freshman at the guard position and then they've got seniors on the right side of the line i mean this is a well coached well-experienced offensive front behind a quarterback who's seen it, a, co- a coordinator and Ryan Day, head coach, who understands how to get on the football. And, you know, and the running back, Henderson, can make plays. So this is a complete offense. And Notre Dame's got, Marcus Freeman's going to have his challenge. He's going to have to make adjustments during the game to see what he can do, you know, and see how he handles the way – what he wants to do to stop them. It's all really going to come down to two things. It's going to come down to their ability to rush the passer. That's what Michigan did last year. Michigan was able to rush the passer and create some problems. So, you know, like all these games where you have a great quarterback, if you don't put pressure on the quarterback, it's problematic.
5: Our good buddy Chris Felica, the Bear, friend of the show, great stats here. Notre Dame has struggled mightily away from home against elite teams, Michael Lombardi. their best past 10 games yeah. away from home versus top 10 opponents. The Irish are 0-10 and have lost by an average of 16.5 points. That is not good. That does not bode well for a, an event in a venue today at the Horseshoe, which is going to be insane.
6: Well, it, a lot of Notre Dame fans are supposedly there. You know, I know a lot of my Notre Dame friends are there, and, you know, they're optimistic. They're a little bit cautiously optimistic. Where is this going, you know? How good of a program did Brian Kelly leave behind here? You know, and I mean, Marcus Freeman's got a true challenge. I mean, this is the first time head coach into a a very hostile environment, a fast track. You know, young quarterback, offensive coordinator stays the same, you know, even though he'll be the defensive coordinator, the system takes over. There's a lot of moving parts for Notre Dame. You know, and because they haven't had continuity of quarterback. I mean, this is the thing I, I I didn't understand with Brian Kelly running the Notre Dame program is Notre Dame should be quarterback you. I mean, it should be, you know, go back to Terry Hanratty, to Joe Montana. I mean, they had quarterbacks. Why aren't they delivering quarterbacks to the NFL at a high rate based on that school? I, I think that's where they've misjudged us. Now, whether this kid can come in and play. To the level, we saw Jack Cohen, a transfer from Wisconsin, come in last year and have to play quarterback for Notre Dame. So we'll see what this is. But it's all about quarterbacks and offense. I think that's where we are with the college game and Ohio State. That's why I'm surprised the game didn't get closer to 20, Patrick. I really am.
5: You know, the sophomore, Tyler Buckner, is going to make his first start. He, the quarterback there at Notre Dame, played in 10 games last year. He was up and down. He's more of a dual threat than Jack Cohn was. Of course, he can run around a little bit. But the playmaker on offense is Michael Mayer. They lost a senior wide receiver in the spring, uh, Avery Davis. So that's a big play guy. Williams is now a ram down the road from me who got drafted. uh, The running back, they do reload at running back. But again, control the pace, control the line of scrimmage. They got four returning starters on the offense. Front. They just have to limit those possessions. If they don't, there's no way they're keeping this offense under control of Ohio State.
6: No, and they've got to find a way to where they can utilize Mayer in critical downs, right? Like I, when I watched him play last year, they were playing Cincinnati and Cincinnati for Luke Fickle, and we'll talk about them again in Arkansas later. But you know, Luke Fickle's a really good coach, but third down, you know, they motion Mayer from the outside in, and you know he's gonna get the ball. I mean, this is, a, this is Gronk. I mean, when you watch Michael Mayer play, you'll think you're watching Gronk. Big, physical, you know, he's really about – he's all in, all in. Went to a school in northern Kentucky, uh, a Catholic school in northern Kentucky right there. And, and I mean, this is – to me, this is what a tight end looks like that changes the way the defensive coordinators have to play the game. So when he's on the field and you're an 11 personnel, you can still run the football. And if you're going to go nickel like Ohio State did against Michigan – then Notre Dame can control the pace of this game. But if you're going to try to find a way to, you, you've got to solve the Michael Mayer problem. It's really one of the key components of Notre Dame's offense if you utilize him correctly. He is truly like, the chess, he's truly like the horse in the chess game. Versatile, very difficult to handle, and if you know how to play and utilize those pieces, you can create havoc with, for the defense.
5: I think the big difference in an X factor for Ohio State this year, remember, Day was not happy with a defense that was mid-pack in the Big Ten last year. They bring in Jim Knowles. You think of Oklahoma State, you think of Stillwater, you think of Gundy, you think of that offense. But really, that Oklahoma State defense was one of the best in the country last year. Knowles comes over to take over this defense. I think that's an impact. Look, you take a look at the two big games today. you got Notre Dame and Ohio State. Right now, Ohio State sitting on the board against the fifth-ranked team in the country, laying 16 right? And then you go Oregon, Georgia, same number, 16. That's 11, Eugene, in Oregon as far as rankings. I mean, this is there's a talent disparity here. That's what I'm trying to tell you.
6: Well, there is, and there's also a continuity disparity too, right? So Georgia, even though they lost a lot of guys, they have continuity. Dan Lanning, the defense coordinator there, goes out to Oregon. Bo Nix is the quarterback. I mean, that's a brand new, I mean, Bo Nix played against Georgia last year at Auburn. So we've got a whole different set of circumstances, and I think that what we're seeing here a little bit is some moving pieces, right? Some of the continuity that, that happens at some of these programs carries over. But you're right, Patrick, there is the have and the have-nots. But I caution this. Remember last year when Ohio State, you know, they went back. They didn't play well in September last year. There were a lot more close games than we thought. You know, remember Tulsa went in there, and Tulsa covered the spread last year. Oregon went in there and beat them in the horseshoe last year. So, you know, September football is always opened. Uh, We're not sure what all these teams look like, but just knowing Stroud, the receivers, the offensive line, to me, that spells like there's going to be a pace of this game that I don't know if Notre Dame can keep up with. That's what worries me, is if this slips out and you're able to carry the ball, Notre Dame gets behind early in the game. And it puts Buckner in a situation where he's got to throw the ball almost all the time to get back in it. you got to be disciplined to make sure you stay with your game plan. Because if you be, this becomes a 50-game pass for a young quarterback, it's not going to be pretty.
5: Essentially, a coach debuts. Uh, Game day is there at the horseshoe. It's going to be insane. They're going to be drinking all day. A quarterback debuts under center for Notre Dame. You talked about coming from behind. Let's talk about, you know, Notre Dame. The over is seven and two, and the Fighting Irish last nine against the Big Ten. We have seen this number as far as the total. Michael Lombardi jump up here, fifty-eight to
6: fifty-nine. And we'll come
5: yeah. back and discuss I, that. I, I, so we'll talk I, about the total with we'll that come
6: total, back, Michael. You know, I think that total is going to be, you know, rear that's view the mirror. One
5: I, I, <laughs> you yeah. think it's going to be oh, in the rear view? Okay, we're coming back. Yeah. We're going to head down to Athens, of course, Oregon, Georgia next here at Lombardi Line.
4: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay,
5: Brent, thank you. It's football season, of course. It's money-making season. Nobody knows football like v and now the experts at v have put together two guides. These guides are incredible. We're going to talk Oregon, Georgia coming up. You can go take a look in the college... Football betting guide at that matchup. They do a great job breaking it down, but you have to be a VSIN subscriber to pick up the college and pro football betting guides. Also, when you become a VSIN pro, you get Point Spread Weekly, Michael Lombardi's articles, but these guides are incredible. 350 digital pages for college, over 110 for the NFL. Check them out. Right now, they're half off, 175 bucks. You get everything we offer through the Super Bowl. That's a great deal. Invest a little, make a lot. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe for more information. It's vcin.com slash subscribe as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Michael Lombardi down at the Beau Rivage there in Biloxi, Mississippi. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and this is a fascinating matchup. So we're talking Oregon-Georgia. This number opened 17.5, Michael, with Georgia Lane. it. It got all the way up to 18, now hit below that key number of 17. It's sitting 16. The Ducks 1-4 ATS, their last five non-conference games. The Bulldogs 4-1 and one ATS, their last, not their last five non-conference games. The Big story here we'll start with Oregon is Dan Lanning he ran that defense for Kirby Smart in Georgia the last three seasons he's now the head coach there at Oregon and he brought in in the transfer portal as you mentioned Bo Nix from Auburn he brought in they needed some explosiveness there at, at Oregon so they brought in Chase Coda from UCLA Caleb Chapman from A&M I mean it's a good defense they have two of the best linebackers in the country and Noah Sewell that is, yes, his brother, my, my right tackle with the Detroit Lions, and Justin Flo. Those are two pros at linebacker. Um, but there's some unknowns with a new head coach there at Oregon.
6: Yeah, I mean, look, but the one thing the new head coach knows is he knows is the team he just left. He knows Stetson better, better than anybody, right? Good He's point. practiced against them this whole time. And so he knows how Kirby thinks. He knows how Kirby's going to want to play the game. And, you know, he also knows how many players – have left Georgia's program, and he knows the defense of Georgia. So he knows what Kirby wants to run. He knows what bothers Kirby offensively. He knows what bothers Kirby defensively. So he does have that advantage. And of course, Kirby knows Dan Lanning too. So that that plays within it. Look, I, I think this is a game where, you know, we're all just assuming that Georgia's just gonna be this juggernaut again. I'm a little cautiously optimistic, I, I, pessimistic, I should say, I don't see that right away. You lose this many players, I know you reload, but most of the time when you like Alabama, Stroud back, Florida, Richardson back, like you have an elite. And I'm not picking on Stetson Bennett, but like Georgia has yet to get the quarterback thing right. Now, they won a national title without getting it right. But when you play good teams, Ohio State, maybe Oregon, I don't know how good Oregon will be because they're in transition. You got to have that quarterback play. And I think it's going to be really hard for them to run the ball down Oregon's throat because I do think Dan Lanning has brought a South Southeast Conference mentality up to Eugene on how to practice, how to play, understanding what you have to do. This isn't going to be touch football that typically sometimes happens in the Pac-12.
5: And, you know, it's interesting because... Oregon returns most of their offensive front, which Dan Lanning yeah. has called the best in the Pac-12, so they should be able to run the football against Georgia, who lost, essentially, their defensive front to the NFL. Now, they still have Jalen Carter, the all-world tackle, up front, but they're just installing new blue chippers, so you wonder if it's going to take a little bit for them to gel, and then you mentioned Stetson Bennett, who, can he pull the rabbit out of his hat again, Michael Lombardi? Just five foot eleven, he's behind a great offensive line, one of the best in the country, but can Stetson Bennett do it again? That is is a question.
6: Well, I mean, look, Georgia plays a conservative style. They play a, almost a 1990 style of offense. I mean, they're not really electrifying what they do. They win with their defense. They turn the ball over, and they can run the ball down your throat most of the time. But I think it's going to be a little harder to throw, run the ball down to Oregon. You know, this is one of those where I just feel like Oregon, one thing we know about Mario Cristobal, he could recruit, right? And so, yeah, there was a lot of changes going on, but there was a specific reason why Phil Knight wanted Dan Lanning. And I think he wanted to bring that toughness, that mental toughness, that Southeast Conference mentality to the Pac-12. And I think that's what he's going to start off doing. And this is a great test. This is the perfect test to look at it against a good team, a team that's kind of going through a little bit of a transition. But oftentimes when teams go through transition, they have one stellar player at the quarterback position that allows you to do that. I'm not sure this is the case here.
5: Bo starting of course, for Oregon, he started three times in his career at Auburn against Georgia. What do you think he was? 0-3, sacked nine times, yeah, sacked four times last year against that Georgia I mean, great come on, Georgia though. Defense. Don't pick on. on
6: poor Bo. Bo was playing in the Gussie passing offense down there at Auburn, which I thought was just, you know, you know how I feel about Gussie's pass offense. I mean, come on now. Come on. I believe, you called, I
5: believe you called it a high school offense. Is that fair?
6: It was, it was a high school. I know it offended Gussie, but I mean, like, seriously, that's what it is. It's not a pro offense at all. I mean, just because you have four receivers on the field doesn't, call, doesn't make you a pro offense. I mean, let, let's put that out there. Like, there's, there's concepts and designs and understanding about, you know, do I think Dan Lanning will have a better handle on what he wants to do with Bo Nix? Yeah, I do. I think there's moments where Bo Nix showed that he actually could do some things. We'll see how it works out today. But, you know, I don't think it was ever really given a fair chance at Auburn. And then Harskins comes in, and, you know, Harskins' offense, the Boise State offense, There's a lot of moving parts down there at Auburn. Let me just say that. Auburn is one of those teams I'm going to watch closely. They lose their athletic director, Alan Green. He left. You know, Harskins has been on the hot seat for how long, Patrick? Forever. You know, and so how good are they going to be? We'll see.
5: So if you take a look at Oregon, I'm a little surprised with the steam because it dropped at 18 at its height, all the way down to now 16 at most shops with Georgia Lane at, remember, 17 a key number here. Also, we're steamed up a little bit here, Michael Lombardi, 51 to 54.5, 55 on the total. I'm surprised by that because I think this Oregon defense is pretty good specifically at linebacker. And then offensively for Oregon, you got a new head coach, you got a new quarterback, you got new wide receivers. It's going to take a little bit for them to gel. And then, you know, equally over there with Georgia, they just reload on defense. I think that's a little steep as far as the total.
6: But what do we see in pro football early in the preseason? We saw that tackling wasn't great. We saw the overs hit in pro football in preseason week one, right? We're seeing that. I I think when I watched watched the college games in here yesterday in the book, I watched Michigan State play Western Michigan. I, I watched Duke destroy Temple. I mean, you're seeing games that there's not great tackling because, again, college teams are the same worried about pro teams. They're worried about getting guys hurt. So I don't know how physical it's going to be. That's why I think the over in some of these games is, is certainly a, a strong possibility, unless the coach understands how to pace the game. That's what I want to watch about with Marcus Freeman. I want to watch a bit of Lanning. Do they understand, like, you know, there's a way to win a game, but you've got to coordinate it with your offense, defense, and the kicking game. And some of these college coaches, are they willing to do that? I think Billy Napier, we'll get to him later, but I think he understands that.
5: You know, Saban has been so successful against his former assistants. Do you think it continues with Kirby? It's interesting with Lanning, within college football circles, obviously a well-known guy, but outside to the common fan, Dan Lanning wasn't a big name. He just got a big job up in Eugene.
6: Well, I mean, he fit the profile that they set that they wanted. You know, he's a good recruiter, young coach, Defensive coach, which in the era of college football and throwing the ball all over, it's interesting you hire a a defensive coach, which I think gives you a sense of toughness. It gives you a sense of okay, here's what we got to do. And the one thing I think you could say about Oregon and how they've struggled, and we'll get to Utah when they play Florida, but Utah's out toughed all these teams. Utah hasn't been the better team, but they've been the tougher team. Washington used to be the tough team up in the pack, up in the Northwest, but. Or, you know, Utah has now become that. And I think when you're Phil Knight and you see what are the problems with my program here, and I say Phil Knight, not the athletic director, because Phil Knight, we know he runs that Oregon program. Just like Jimmy Rain runs the Auburn program. There's certain people that run programs in college football, and you've got to know that. So I I think that's why Lanning fit perfectly for what they wanted.
5: Listen, the Pac 12 has been down, and that's why I told you the Ducks, one and four ATS, their last five out of conference. And then the Bulldogs, you take an SEC team, you go out of conference, they're 4-1 and one ATS. The numbers, as you go further, get even better in Georgia's favor. Uh, I, again, a little surprised to see this dip below 17, sitting 16. Now it's jumped up to 16.5 at a couple of shops. Georgia Lane and yeah. hosting Oregon. It's, you know what's interesting? It parallels. It mirrors exactly what's happening in Columbus with that Notre Dame-Ohio State number. It
6: really does. It's shocking. You know, and I thought Ohio State would – I didn't think it would get to 20, but I thought it would get to 19 and a half. I thought it would because the more I analyze that game, it's just like, how do they keep pace with this? You know, are they good enough defensively to keep pace with this? You know, I, I have that issue. Whereas Oregon, I'm a little bit dealing with the unknown. And the fact that Lanning knows so much about the Georgia program, like that, that has to go for something, right? You know, I know Stetson Bennett's not very good at doing this, so I'm going to take it away. I know they want – I know this is how they want to run the ball. I take that away. You know, and then you make the adjustments during the game, which you can keep yourself in the game. That's why I think the Landing issue going against the Georgia program that he knows so well gives them a little bit of advantage, which is why I think I could see the line coming towards Oregon.
5: Yeah, Lanning, defensive guy, Kirby, defensive guy, Bo Nix, new quarterback there at Oregon. I do, I'll do. i wait for that total to keep on getting hit up, 55 right now at a couple yeah. of shops, and I'll go under that total, Michael.
6: You know what I said on my pod, Patrick? I know we've got to go to break here, but in the week one of the NFL season when defensive coaches, Brian Flores went against Belichick, the under hit. When it was defense versus defense, those, those unders tend to hit, and that's the case here in Oregon.
5: Yep, absolutely. Kevin Noon is going to join us next. BuckeyeHuddle.com. We're going to go inside that Ohio State-Notre Dame matchup next right here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
1: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: You're listening to The Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher.
5: Okay, attention, BetMGM customers. If you have a friend who loves sports as much as you do, here's a chance for both of you to earn 50 bucks. Right now in bonuses over at BetMGM, it's refer a friend. It's a great program set up up at the King of Sportsbooks. Just sign in with your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a, a Friend program. It's easy to find and send your friend a message inviting them to register. Once they do, you'll both get 50 bucks. It's a great offer from the king of sportsbooks, BetMGM. you got to be 21 years or older. If you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Okay, we got you back here. You know what I like about your setup there? Michael Lombardi, of course. This is the Lombardi line. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. What I like about your setup there is you're standing up yeah. there in the show, I noticed.
6: I, I, you know, it's kind of good. I like standing up a little bit at times. You know, work. Uh, you know, kind of look around. You don't have to sit down, Patrick. You know, it's good for you. Get, get, a, get spot, a workout though, while you're you. doing the show. Yeah, I get a workout in. I just saw. Speaking of a workout, I just looked over to my left, and the girl that's on my Peloton's now on ESPN. It's amazing. I mean, the the versatility of college football. You know
5: speaking speaking of college football i think you know in columbus we got a top five matchup kevin noon is yeah, going to join kevin. us now here on the lombardi line uh part of buckeyehuddle.com does a great job and as we say good morning and thank you kevin for joining us why don't you go ahead and set the scene there what's
8: it going to be like at columbus in the shoe today Hopefully the weather holds out. It's a little rainy here in Columbus right now. It looks like around game time that the uh, weather should move through. Maybe something could be there. You know, these TV games sometimes can drag a little bit. Maybe something in the late fourth quarter, but it's going to be a raucous crowd. They're going to have plenty of time to pre-party and get well marinated before the game, but uh, battle two top five teams. But you know, obviously the oddsmakers see, you know, see Ohio State being somewhat better than the Notre Dame, but we'll be interested. You know, game one is always going to be a challenge for everybody.
6: Kevin, marinate is a great thing to do. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of marination. What is the drink in the in, in Buckeye there? That's the first question. And second, talk to me a little bit about Jim Knowles' defense and what changes you've seen with Ohio State defensively this year, watching spring and fall practices.
8: Well, Columbus is always going to be a beer town, so I'm sure there's going to be plenty of the stuff. <laughs> and and as, for, as for Jim Knowles, you know, he brings in a four-two-five. I mean, you know, the defense that he was running at Oklahoma State and then when he was at Duke and then when he was an assistant as well at uh, at Ole Miss, among other places. So, you know, Ohio State needs to get more out of its defensive line. Uh, I think if you look last year, guys like uh, Zach Harrison, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, young guys like JT Tumor and, and Jack Sawyer, They came close to making some plays but they weren't able to quite finish so i think that we're going to see some adjustments there i think that they're going to be able to be a little bit more uh free to rush the quarterback get after the quarterback you know obviously we're going to be going down to two linebackers except for when ohio state goes against a team like wisconsin where you have to have your sam out there sam's going to be the guy off the field and then they're going five in the in the defensive backfield and and with three safeties and they have a lot of depth at safety, which is good because at corner, they're a little bit thin. They only have six on scholarship right now. And toward the end of camp, they were a little banged up there. So it'll be interesting to see what the what the rotation looks like there. But you know, I think it's going to be a defense that's not going to pre-rotate. I think that people are going to I mean, they're, it's, it's not a great thing when everybody from the stands knows exactly what's coming, including your opponent. So I think that unpredictability and the ability to adjust is what really makes Knowles elite.
5: Taking a look at that Notre Dame Ohio State matchup, Kevin Noon joining us, BuckeyeHuddle.com. I'm going to take you through the number and tell me if this surprises you at all, Kevin. Open 15, of course, Ohio State Lane. We got as high as 18, and then we started to see buyback on Notre Dame. We're sitting 16, 16 and a half in the market. Of course, that key number of 17. So we're right below that number. Are you surprised Notre Dame caught some buyback here?
8: Well, I, I was really interested once the Sharps came in, once the sharp money came in to see what would happen there. And I figured it would would slide back down a little bit. And then maybe right before kickoff, that would be, you know, the, the determining factor at that point. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a big line. It's a big line. I think that, you know, you can't look back at 30 years of, of, of problems that Notre Dame has had in big games. You can't look at some of uh, out of conference home games that Ohio State's had in recent years. That has nothing to do with 2022. But uh you know I th- I think that the line once we saw where it opened it's it's about where I expected it to be a- after that point.
6: As great as Ohio State is Kevin offensively and we've seen you know the receivers the offensive line what's the one hidden trait offensively that no one talks about that really separates Ohio State this year from last year offensively.
8: I think one of the big things is a, a, an adjustment back to something a little bit more traditional on the offensive line. Last year, they really rolled out four tackles in the center. Uh, you know, the pass protection was great. The run blocking, I think, was inconsistent. Now they go back to more of a traditional guards are guards, tackles are tackles, and obviously your center is your center. And I think that we're going to see a much more robust Ohio State rush offense. When you have a one-two punch of Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams, I think that they're going to be able to run more when they want to. I think the biggest concern, one of the things that I need to see, Ohio State, last couple years, third and short, fourth and short, sitting kind of in no man's land. Do you punt? Do you go for a field goal? Let's just go for it. Has not necessarily been able to get it on the ground. You have CJ Stroud, who is not a runner by trade, and they really have not lined him up under center and just had him go behind a a guard or in his center. So, uh, you know, I think that if the offensive line is able to put some things together with, with this new configuration, as they have Matt Jones out there at one guard, Donovan Jackson at the other guard position, I think that could be a differentiation point of where this Ohio State offense could, you know, dare I say, maybe even be better than last year.
5: What does Notre Dame do that concerns Ohio State, Kevin?
8: Well, Michael Mayer is just a problem for everybody. Uh, You know, he had 70 some catches last year, 700, 800 yards, seven touchdowns. Ohio State through the years, you know, just covering the tight end has never really been something that it seems like it's just, you know, absolute or a hundred percent. You can go back to the loss in Iowa city several years ago, Iowa had three tight ends in that game. And I think you put those three tight ends together and you kind of have Michael Mayer. I think he's just that dynamic of a guy. So Know, what are what are they going to be able to do there? Tyler Buckner, the runner, I mean, I think we may be overbuying a little too much that he's just runner, 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 and can't throw. He was able to throw very well in high school, but it's a whole different world now. And he was just a a different flavor from Jack Cohn last year. They had to have him out yeah. there doing some different things. how do you how do you handle the mobile quarterback? I mean, you're trying out a lot of new things on defense. That mobile quarterback really is kind of an X factor. So I say that, you know, Mayer and, and, and and Buckner's ability to run are the two things that Ohio State really has to focus on.
6: And then where do you see this game? For me, I think Ohio State has to play this game and pace the game. They've got to pace it to where you take the play clock down. You pace it to where you're not in such a rush. You want to limit the amount of possessions that Ohio State's offense has to get to you. You want to keep the game in the 20s. Where do you see this game in your mind as you visualize this going forward? Where do you see this game ending up in terms of total points?
8: Yeah, I think Notre Dame absolutely needs to try and take the air out of the ball a little bit and try and keep Ohio State's offense on the on the bench. I think Ohio State has shown the ability to score in a buck oh four when it needs to, whether it's 45 yards down the field or 85 yards down the field. Ohio State's offense doesn't necessarily need to throw 40 to get 40, you throw at six and then your guy runs for 34. Um, I think that you know I really like a lot of the individual players on the Notre Dame defense that defensive line is stout I you know, I really like uh, Bertrand at linebacker I think that the transfer of uh, Brandon Joseph from Northwestern is huge for them but I, I think that we're going to see a game in the first quarter maybe into the second quarter that's going to be a lot of you know to get into boxing a lot of jabs a lot of feeling out trying to measure I think by you know by the by halftime Ohio State's opened up a couple score lead and then once you know once it's all said and done i'm i'm, I'm predicting a game that's going to get just a little bit over i mean if the last over under i saw was 59 i think i've got it like 62 right now is where i have it
5: yep sitting 59 on the board so go over there we just got a minute left here kevin uh do they pull away do the buckeyes end up covering that 16 16 and a half
8: i think they do but you know we we certainly have seen a lot of craziness through you know through through openers through the years um I just think that Ohio State's depth is going to be too much for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to come out juiced. I mean, you know, first year head coach Marcus Freeman, former player at Ohio State from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, You know, but I think that just some of the newness at certain positions for Notre Dame, certainly the question about their center, if he's going to be able to go being down in the receiver core, is all going to be an issue when it comes to the separation between these two teams. It, I mean, I, I with 17-and-a-half, you have to pick a really big score to sit there and say, well, they're going not only going to cover, but they're going to crush them. But, you know, I, I have it at uh, – I have 42-20, so I have it at 22, so I do think Ohio State will cover.
5: It's BuckeyeHuddle.com, it. Kevin Noon. A great breakdown. Thank you, Kevin. Enjoy the game today. Kevin, Thank you very outstanding. much.
6: outstanding. Thank you, Kevin, so much. Appreciate you. Any, anytime you want me on.
5: Yeah, we'd love to have you again. Now, part of the VEASAN Pro package, Michael, and I want to give Kevin credit here because he just gave us our pro tip for the hour. Remember, yeah, he said 60% chance, 60% chance of rain there in Columbus. This may sound basic to new betters, but always check the weather forecast before the game. And that's the pro tip yeah. for VEASAN Pro subscribers. You get 20 a day when you become a VEASAN Pro. That's very important to check the weather. 60% chance there in Columbus of rain today.
6: Yeah, and I think, too, the other factor is how much wind are we going to factor in? You know, usually rain, you get a little bit of wind. How's that going to affect the football? You know, what are you going to do? How do you catch it? I I don't think it's going to slow Ohio State down at all. I think the question mark is, Freeman, how he adjusts to the game once he sees the game plan. I think that's going to be critical for a new head coach.
5: The defending Pac-12 champs, Utah, they're laying two and a half at the Swamp. Your boy, Billy Napier, makes his debut. I think that number's a little short. We'll come back and discuss next here at Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's Vsin the Sports Betting Network.